This episode of Equity is presented by MetaLab. MetaLab designs and builds products for companies that are expecting massive growth. Slack, YouTube, and Uber are just a few of the startups that hired MetaLab on their way to becoming household names. They're the product agency that helped design the original version of Slack and the YouTube player that is still in use today. Last year, MetaLab collaborated with the founding teams at Neuralink and Pitch. Unlike a lot of other agencies, MetaLab doesn't claim to be full service. They do one thing and they do it really well, and that's digital products. If you're ready to build a product for millions of people, then visit metalab.com. Tell them TechCrunch Equity sent you. Hello and welcome back to Equity, the show where we unpack the numbers behind the headlines. This is our Monday show, a quick primer to get your week up and running in record time. Now, the biggest news out this morning is that ahead of the Deliveroo IPO, the Roblox Direct listing, and the Coupon IPO, the latter two of those coming out this week, is that the value of some major tech stocks are slipping. For the host of late-stage startups hoping to spack their way public or praying that the current boom in public market prices will last long enough for them to list, the continued decline in some tech shares is potentially bad, bad news. Now, we've had dips before and they've gone right back up, so I am loath to make a big point out of this, but as I prepped the script this morning that I'm talking to you about right now, the Nasdaq was off another 1.6%. That is a big yuck to start the week. And with that cheery kickoff, let's go. Turning to the weekend. Now, just as the weekend started, EdTech unicorn Coursera filed to go public. For a great number of smaller EdTech startups, the IPO, I think, really matters. I got to dig into the filing with Natasha, but here's the gist. Coursera has impressive growth, but also rising losses. That means that public investors will have to balance its growth against its deficits. And we don't know at this remove how well the Coursera IPO will perform, but the company's S1 filing is just not as clean as you might have hoped. For a company that was so accelerated last year by the move to remote learning and edtech in general, is this a warning shot for the edtech boom? Also out this weekend was a survey from Telstra Ventures that BI covered. Quoting from our friends over at that publication, 96.9% of startups stayed in the Bay Area during 2020, which is hilarious if you paid any attention to the enormous narrative, brouhaha, whatever it is, that everyone was leaving San Francisco to go somewhere else. Turns out, not really. Of those startups that did leave, about an eighth moved to Texas, just over a fifth to New York, and another fifth just stayed in California but moved somewhere else inside of the state. So ha 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 to the idea that California is over. Guys, California is not going to die. It's too lovely there to live. And there's so many universities. Oh, and speaking of a university out in California, Stanford University's most recent AI report that I found via VentureBeat, it is worth noting, shows that the number of, quote, newly funded AI companies fell to a multi-year low in 2020. Now, that actually surprised me given the way my inbox looks, but hey. So according to the report from a high of more than 4,000 in 2017, the number of newly funded AI companies per Stanford was under 1,000 in 2020. And keep in mind, this is a global number. This is not just like the US, this is everywhere. Here's a thought. I wonder what percent of that decline is the idea that tuned machine learning is now simply part of nearly every startup to some degree. And so AI first companies aren't seen as much activity because everything's kind of AI-ish. I don't know. Regardless, US-based AI companies raised more than double their Chinese rivals in 2020 for those of you out there keeping national score. Over to this morning, we have a couple of actually very interesting quick things to get through. The first up is that UK-based Neobank Starling has raised a huge, huge new round 
TechCrunch broke this morning, 272 million pounds at a pre-money valuation of 1.1 billion pounds. And uh, if you do all the conversions, it works out to about $1.9 billion on a post-money basis. So a big round at a big new price. Now, why do we care? Well, in my view, the news is big because it shows that post-Brexit Britain can still raise mega rounds and that the neobank or challenger bank Phenom continues to be venture ready. Starling, which has more than 2 million accounts, is valued at a good amount per if we presume that the company has reached, say, 2.5 million thanks to growth over time. It's worth about 760 bucks per account. Now, if it's high or low, we leave to you. But here's one more data point. Notably, American neobank Chime passed the 12 million account mark last month. At $760 per account, that would value the unicorn at $9.1 billion. Investors, however, have valued the company at $14.5 billion. So either Chime's users are worth more or Starlin's undervalued? Hard to say. And then there is the Deliveroo financial news. Okay, so I had to lie a little bit and say that I was in the UK, that I'm based in the UK, and that I have a plus 44 cell phone number. But after I told all those lies to the UK regulators, I got out the news, and here's what we can find out about Deliveroo's growth. We only have like six numbers, so <laughs> this is what you got. In 2020, GTV, or gross transaction volume, rose by 64.3% at the delivery company from $2.5 billion in 2019 to $4.1 billion in 2020. That seems a little bit lower than I expected. In the same time period, underlying gross profit grew by about 90% from 188.7 million pounds to 357.5 million pounds. That's good. And that rose faster than GTV because underlying gross profit as a percentage of GTV rose from 7.6% in 2019 to 8.8% in 2020. So all that growth, improving economics, what did it mean for profit? Well... On an unadjusted basis, the company lost 223.7 million pounds in 2020. That was better than 317.3 million pounds in 2019, but still not very good. However, and this is when it gets kind of interesting. If you look at adjusted EBITDA, which everyone knows is a super artificial profit metric, the company only lost 9.6 million pounds last year. So if you give it tons of liberty to kind of fudge its numbers politely, it still lost about 10 million pounds last year. I don't know. Growth is good. The profitability is a little bit yucky. Anyways, let's see how this company does when it finally does list. All right, turning to a couple of funding rounds this morning. We're going to kick off with PostScript. Now, this company raised some money, and I find it to be very, very neat because it just shows how big some of these major e-commerce platforms are becoming. What do I mean by that? Well, here's some TechCrunch reporting. PostScript helps Shopify stores stay in touch with customers via SMS with a focus on keeping everything opt-in, legally compliant, and spam-free. The company raised $4.5 million back at the end of 2019. This morning, it's announcing that it has raised a $35 million Series B. How the hell did that happen? Well, the company actually managed to scale customers from 350 back in December of 2019 to 3,500 today. That's very impressive growth. The round was led by Greylock, and who else put money into it? Well, it was YC, 1984 VC, Ollie Capital, Elephant VC, and Larry Fitzgerald. And I bring all that up because Greylock partner Sarah Gua will be joining the PostScript board. Sarah's great. I think she's actually been on the show. Turning the globe to a different part of the world, Prava Health has raised $10.6 million over in Bangladesh. The company offers healthcare in a digital and IRL environment and... Per our own reporting, the company has a flagship medical center in Dhaka, Bangladesh's capital, and a network of 40 smaller clinics throughout the city. The goal is to bring high-quality healthcare to more people in Bangladesh, and I, I dig this round because it's a bet on telemedicine, bringing rising healthcare access to the globe, and if it works, it, it can make a bunch of lives better. So, you know, what's not to like? And we're low on time this morning for my usual end-of-show soapbox, but I just want to highlight attention that I'm seeing that could get sticky. 
Lots of companies, of course, are planning to go public in the very, very near future. It's why you've had to endure so much public market crap on the podcast lately. We are very sorry. But what could happen is that if the public markets shift away from tech stocks, as we're kind of seeing right now, the enthusiasm that was so hot just months ago that some companies delayed their IPOs to avoid monster first day pops could look much more average and therefore less appealing. Hell, they could actually stop the SPAC boom. And that might mean far less unicorn liquidity than we expected just weeks ago. Now, nothing has really happened yet, but please keep your eyes on this. It's going to be a big deal if it actually happens. All right, that is our show. Extra Crunch Live this week is Sarah Kunst from Clio Capital and Julia Collins from Planet Forward. That's going to be amazing. It's on March 10th at 12 p.m. PST, 3 p.m. Eastern. I will see you there. We're back on Wednesday with some really, really cool stuff. I think this is NFT week. So if you want to come tune into that, we're going to have an absolute blast talking about the future of art, apparently. Oh, and of course, I'm Alex on Twitter and Equity Pod is just that, Equity Pod on Twitter. All right, we'll see you Wednesday. Goodbye.